0: Friends, thank you so much for worshiping on a snowy morning. My name is Adam, and I am so excited for my first Christmas here as senior pastor at First United Methodist Church. I want to say what's up to all our friends at Westside who are going to experience this message this morning, as well as everybody online who's going to hear this either on our website or our podcast. We're continuing our series called Christmas. We're looking at some of our most beloved Christmas songs, of diving into the message a little bit deeper that those songs actually communicate and it's really part of my goal for us to have an association right? like I love Christmas music and so my hope is that any annually when you hear these songs you know Santa Claus is coming to town away in a manger um uh, I'll be home for Christmas, uh, the most wonderful time of the year, that, that you would kind of have an association trigger in your mind whenever you would hear these in the future. Oh, we talked about that at church, and that you would be reminded of uh, the truth of Christmas time. So today we're going to be diving into a way in a manger, and that's an example of kind of how we can sentimentalize Christmas a little bit. So I want to kind of cut through a little bit uh, of the sentimentality around Christmas and and take a stark look at at this, this crazy concept that happened at Christmas time. But before that, I wanna, I wanna play a bit of a game. Uh, I watch a lot of Shark Tank, and a big conversation on Shark Tank is it's all about the brand. And the thing that, that that brands spend a lot of time on is their logo. So I thought it'd be a little bit of fun to put some logos up on the screen and just have y'all call them out uh, when you recognize them. Same thing at Westside. I won't actually hear you, but we're just gonna go with it, all right? so. In the eyes of the business world, building the brand is vital, and, and what they want is when, they, when you see a logo, they want to create an association in your mind between that image and their brand, right? They want, they want you to very quickly communicate what their company stands for. So let's uh, throw a couple up on the screen, and we'll see if you can name them. First one? Okay, pretty easy. It's clearly a fruit, right? But if you look a little closer, this sleek and metallic apple, it's kind of a status symbol, Right, on a lot of laptops, it was actually illuminated. Uh, even on iPhone cases, there'll be a little circle cut out so everybody can see you got an Apple phone, right? It's innovative, it's simple, it's elegant. Those are the things that Apple wants you to associate with their company when you see their logo. What about this one, a little trickier, no letters? Oh, very good, BMW, luxury cars, right? Now, originally, BMW BMW manufactured airplanes and so this image, I don't know if you'd heard this before, is actually supposed to represent a, uh, the spinning propellers. So it was kind of a throwback to their company's history. Uh, what about this one? Okay, obviously not too <laughs> tricky. Because uh, you can read, which is great. But the first time somebody showed me this, my mind was blown. Have you ever noticed the arrow between the E and the X? Right, it's a subtle little, you can never unsee this after you know for the first time, oh, there, okay, there it is, there it is, oh, uh, every time you pass these on the highway, you'll be like, look, honey, check out the arrow, you know, Uh, they want you to to be subtly reminded that FedEx is about speed and precision, and they'll get your package where it needs to go, fast. So for the last two, we're going to step it up a little bit, and I'm only going to give you one letter, all right, out of the logo, can you identify it just by one letter? The Royals, very good. I couldn't just go with KC, so I just went with the R. And finally, maybe the most famous letter in history. Disney. There's a time in every child's life when they realize, oh, wait, that's a D. And that's when you know you've started to grow up. Disney Plus, incredibly popular streaming service uh, within the last month. And why is this? Because we have so many great memories of watching Disney movies as kids or of, or of showing them to our children for the first time. I showed my kids Peter Pan the other day. They want to watch out for that one. Doesn't, doesn't hold up real great for a couple reasons. That's another sermon altogether. Uh, <laughs> Disney has worked extremely hard to, to create an association. When you see that, that rainbow go over and that, or the shooting star, you hear the music, you see the logo, that, that evokes a certain emotion when we see those. And they've created their brand brilliantly. If you wanna know everything Disney stands for, look at their logo. So you guys did really well on our little quiz. Uh, and we don't have an NBA team here in Kansas City, but I wanna show you one more picture. This is a picture of Jerry West He's one of the greatest basketball players ever, and he definitely has the coolest nickname in sports. His nickname is The Logo. The Logo. That's because in the 60s, a design firm used this picture as inspiration for the NBA logo. Let's read a scripture. In the beginning, the Word already existed. This is John chapter 1. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The one who was the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world, the world. So the word became human and made his home among us. Now in the scripture we read above, what's translated into word, our English word, comes from the Greek word "logos." Logos, meaning word or message. Now you'll see why we've spent so much time talking about brands and logos. Logos are highly recognizable. Even our kids know them. Logos communicate what the entity is all about. Logos are made to represent the entity. Jesus came as the logos to show us what God is all about. He came to be God's representative to people. And more than that, he also was God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He's the Logos, he embodies the message of God. Our scripture said the Word became human. And the phrase we have for that in theological language is the incarnation the Word becoming a person. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. This is a mind-boggling subject that we could spend a lifetime thinking about and reflecting on. If you're looking for further information and study, I recommend a book called Saint Athanasius. It's called On the Incarnation. It was written in the 4th century by by a bishop of the early church, Saint Athanasius. Man, I'm 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 excited if somebody remembers something from a sermon by like Thursday. He, he, he wrote this, this classic work of Christianity 1,500 years ago. I mean, it has lasted, it is amazing, on the incarnation, and he describes it this way. Our own cause was the occasion of his, Jesus, descent, and that our own transgression or sin evoked the word's love for human beings, so that the Lord both came to us and appeared among human beings— For we were the purpose of his embodiment, and for our salvation, he so loved human beings as to come and be and appear in a human body. In short, God revealed himself through uh, words, not just words that were informational, as, as if the Bible was some pamphlet that would give us the information to get us into heaven. God has revealed himself in the words of the Bible, but those words tell us about Jesus, who was more than an idea or things written down. Jesus embodied God's message. He was the word. Jerry West is the logo. Jesus is the logos. The whole miracle of the incarnation is that Jesus became like us, yet he was still God. He was both human and divine. And sometimes at Christmas, we kind of tilt it towards, towards one side. Think about the words of A Way in a Manger and how they emphasize Jesus' divinity. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I thought about calling the series Get Low, but I didn't think that would go over great. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I, so I don't know how much time you've spent around human babies, but here's the thing if they're woken up by a barn animal in the middle of the night, my guess is they're going to cry. Right? And, and so we have this image of, of sweet eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus, and he wouldn't dare make a peep. Well, why not? He's a regular kid too. Right? And so, and so we, we sort of overemphasize Jesus' divinity at the expense of his humanity. And I'm not trying to nitpick this song, I love this song. but but you can see how how we can sort of tilt it one way and we cheapen the incarnation when we make it only about Jesus' divinity. The incarnation is also about his humanity, right? When we neglect the human side of Jesus, we lose so much about why he came to us. Sometime if you're bored, do a Google image search of Jesus. This will be one of the first images that pops up. Jesus' heart is like on fire. What, what, What is going on? That, I, that reminds me, not, like, less of Jesus and more of Iron Man, right? I mean, like, the, the, glowing, <laughs> the glowing center. Uh, it's important that we don't forget Jesus' heart wasn't on the outside of his body glowing. He didn't have, like, the permanent, like, headlamp for his heart. Jesus experienced everything we do as people. Starting when he was an infant, he surely cried when he was woken up at night. Later in his life, Jesus would cry, when his friend Lazarus died, this is the shortest verse in the Bible, a little trivia for you. John 11:35. Then Jesus wept, that's right. So Jesus cried in a, as an adult, he certainly cried as a baby. Before Jesus calmed a storm, his disciples found him sleeping while they were freaking out. So I thought it'd be good news to somebody today that even Jesus needed a nap. He was tired. He faced temptation just like we do. Jesus faced shame for being a heretic and being labeled a fool by some in his community. Jesus was disappointed by his best friends when they couldn't even stay awake with him all night before he was uh, led to his execution. This was shortly after his arrest and some of those same people would soon abandon him. I don't know about you, but I find it hard to relate to Jesus' divinity. I don't have a whole lot of that. And, and so for me, it's like, that's why it's important to have a savior that knows what it's like to be like in my shoes. Because I find it hard to follow somebody that I can't relate to. That's why I'm so grateful for the miracle of the incarnation. So here is the Chris myth, that on the night he was born, Jesus didn't even make a peep. False! The Chris myth is that Jesus' divinity comes at the expense of his humanity. But friends, the good news is that Jesus was made like us so that we could be made like him. The book of Hebrews gives us a great explanation of why Jesus was made like us. This is the purpose of Christmas. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's us. That's people. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus came to us in a way that we can understand. He came like one of us, an all-powerful, all-knowing God that created the universe. That's hard to get your mind around. Because the word became flesh, we can relate to him, and he can relate to us. He was made in every respect like us, including crying as a baby when he was woken up in the middle of the night. The Bible says that Jesus suffered and faced trials and tests like each of us, and that is why he is a fitting Savior, because he passed all the tests that we fail. But that's not the end of the story, that Jesus came to, to take our place and to die on the cross. Jesus was made like us, but part of what we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus Jesus made it possible for us to be made like him. The Bible describes the separation between people and God. In the temple, there was a veil uh, that, was only, that was only passed like once a year, and, and it was representative of, of the distance between God, of, of how holy God is and how unworthy we are to be in God's presence. In the presence of a holy, perfect God, uh, we were unqualified in our sinful state. But because of Jesus and his life and mission, that veil has been removed. God became like one of us. The scriptures say that that when Jesus breathed his last, the veil was torn. Jesus came to show us that God's grace is greater than our sin. Because of this veil, this separation that was eliminated, that was torn, we can know God through Jesus we can read about and learn from Jesus and experience his spirit at work in our lives. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18 says this, For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image the journey the Christian goes on when they decide to follow Christ is becoming more and more like Jesus. So often we have, we have a, a view of, of following Jesus in Christianity that's focused more on decision than on discipleship. Right? My dad used to say a lot of people kind of cross the line of faith and then they spend the rest of their life trying to hug that line as close as possible without going back over But the message of Christianity, especially in Methodism, is that when you decide to follow Jesus, it ain't the finish line, it's the starting line. And that we spend the rest of our lives becoming more and more like Jesus, being transformed more and more into his glorious image, as the scriptures say. And we not only receive his glory and his grace, but we're supposed to reflect it as well, to send it back out. Now friends, that's not a process that, that in my experience happens overnight. But the goal is that next Christmas and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that will be a little bit more like Jesus than we are this year. When we worship and serve and, and belong in this community, when we study and reflect on the scriptures together, when we're allowing ourselves uh, to be in the presence of God together in worship, we're, we're following the process of being changed into his glorious image. At Christmas time, the Word became flesh. The Logos, the Word, became like one of us. The question for us this Christmas is how can we receive and then embody the Logos this season? What does it look like for us to receive the message of God, but also to embody it for someone else? What does it look like to reflect His glory and represent His goodness? And sometimes it's in seemingly small, trivial things. As you sit in traffic or shop in crowded stores or attend holiday functions you feel obligated to attend, can you rise above the frustration and look for opportunities to bless other people even in the midst of those frustrating circumstances? When you're faced with rude or awkward or, or ungrateful family members, can you be compelled by Christ's compassion for you To treat them with that same compassionate kindness, especially when you don't feel like it. Not even despite how they treat you, but even because of how they treat you. When the recipient of a gift of yours does not display the appropriate amount of thankfulness that you feel like it deserves, you worked so hard on this, you spent your hard earned money on this, will you still be a cheerful giver? All of these things are just small doses of the frustration that Jesus surely felt when he was with us, people that were ungrateful for our gift. I'm reminded of that verse we read from Hebrews. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. I imagine that it's really frustrating to be Jesus. Imagine being so good And having so many people that represent you often do so in a way that falls short. I heard an author once say that Jesus was humiliated three times once when he took on the form of a humble human being and was born in a manger, the second time he was humiliated was when he was executed naked and alone on a cross. And the third time he risked humiliation was when he entrusted his reputation to us. So this Christmas, how can we receive and reflect the glory of the Lord as we're changed more and more into his glorious image? Especially during the season when we celebrate the word becoming flesh. Let's be transformed Let's make 2020 a year where we become a little more like Jesus than we find ourselves in this season. And let's go represent the logos that came to save the world he loved so much. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together in your presence. As we reflect on just what a miracle it was that you came to be like one of us and, and how impossible that paradox seems that you would be both human and divine that in the face of temptation and all of the experiences we have you would remain perfect God help us not to just focus on uh, your divinity but also on your humanity that in those times of temptation and trouble and frustration, that deep down we could know that you faced all those same things and that you passed all the tests that we fail. And while we can in, in no way ever repay you for those things and, and that, that that's the whole point of your grace is that we get the things we don't deserve, help us to show you how grateful we are by how we try and represent your message. How we can leave this place and embody the good news that you love the world so much that you came to us at Christmas. In your holy name we pray. Amen.